Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. It is going to be a gorgeous day today, and here is why. Today, put your energy into things that matter to you. Right now, this little intro matters to me, and I want to have some fun, a little bit of a carnival. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the most electric, the most energized podcast in the world! Things like that, folks. Put energy into things that matter to you. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard, but it's in the evening as we're wrapping up here in the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference because when we're at conferences, we just kind of throw the clock out the window and we've got a very special guest. Took you a while to find the booth, though, I understand, because we're sitting in front of a very large retractable (laughs) banner blocking our booth. Are we going to name names? I think I'm going to change my name to Wilson from... From uh, home improvement, being the guy looking over, because nobody can see our booth behind this giant banner. From Just outdo them, Jason. All you got to do is when people, it's hard to find you, they'll make sure to spend more time with you and just overcome them that way. I don't, You're way more popular. People don't know what they're getting into if they're going to try to out crazy crazy with me. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm telling you, I wasn't looking for them, so they were just an annoyance because I was looking for you, so I didn't even bother to look at their name. I'm glad the annoyance brought you in here. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> We've been exhibiting next to them all day long, and I still don't know the name of their company. So. <laughs> well, there's no one there. That might tell you something right now. Right. By the way, the voice from that gentleman is Shane... How do you pronounce your last name? Stolp. Stolp. See, I mispronounced it. I mispronounced the keynote speaker's name, by the way. Mike Pompey. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not good. Don't do that when he's here. Oh, no. You don't want to do it in front of his handler either. No. (laughs) There's certain... Yeah. How did you say it? Pompeo. Pompeo. Like Mount Vesuvius. I was Mount Vesuvius away. I mean, I was in the volcano mode. So I mispronounced your name. It's all right. So it's whenever good. I mispronounce someone's name, I have this like low self-esteem that I'm going to do it on the air. So that was my way to try to get around it. Well, Jason, ever since I've been down in the Permian Basin in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and, you know, I thought I knew Spanish <laughs> back from high school, and now it comes in a new name. And, boy, I've gotten real comfortable with mispronouncing names. Not intentionally, but I just, I, I got to give it my best guess and you can always apologize. The only <laughs> advice I can give you is that when I went to Mexico, the word Ocho worked for everything. <laughs> it got me beer and it stopped the bus. I don't know how, but it did. Yeah, or say Vamoose and they run. That works too. Vamoose. So, yeah. so you said now you're down in the Permian. First of all, what's the name of your company? Westcom. Westcom. Yep. Okay. So we're an electrical and automation company along kind with bigger mechanical. Well, right now we're about 120, I think 130 employees. That's big. So yeah. I don't know if it's big or not. It's awesome. We're, <laughs> we're energizing America, so we're all over the place. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't the that most cool? Most energized company in America. Yeah, we are absolutely with the most energized the employees. Most electric company in America. <laughs> of course, people might get messed up. Sorry, go ahead, Sean Forbes. Oh, I was going to say, this is Sean Forbes with OG Directory, Jason's co-host today. Are he you failed a- to introduce me. So oh, did I not? You didn't. Apologize. I'm sorry. Well, now that we've been... 
through that. Um, yeah, that was kind of rude, actually. Hand slap. Welcome to um, the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. With us always is our special guest, Sean Forbes. You want me to you. give you the nicknames, too? You seemed offended last time I gave you the nicknames. Let's go. Sexy and sophisticated <laughs> Sean Forbes. Right now, she's sophisticated. Yep. <laughs> now she's sexy because <laughs> the shoulders are showing. Watch out. It's so. from day, day to night and night to day in a blink. <laughs> it's the after hours, Sean Forbes. Yeah. Morning show, I don't think so. <laughs> so what are you doing down in the Permian? How'd so, you make your way down there? You know what, Jason? You were talking a little bit about, for you, the Balkan and the slowdown. So back in 2015, we recognized that things were going to slow down a little bit around here in the Balkan. So we flew down to the Permian, and we were actually invited down there by a producer of ours that we were working for. And so we went and checked out the area, and the place was deserted. It was slower than the Balkan, and everyone was leaving. So we just thought, what the heck, we'll sit out in a Walmart parking lot and tackle anyone with an FR shirt on and see if we can drum up some business. So, Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That is How awesome. How else do you start out? So, like, Are you serious? So people walked out of there. You did the Walmart parking lot camp out. Yeah. That like, is the so coolest cold calling, calling I've ever heard in my life. I, what, cold, cold calling, I call it desperation or feeding my family. <laughs> what the hell do you think cold calling is? <laughs> this exactly, is sales at its right? finest. Yeah. Cold calling was the first propaganda for desperate. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. So it was just the strangest thing because we'd go into the producer's offices and they were all like getting bought out and new producers were coming into town and the door was just slammed shut time and time again. So yeah, we tried going to restaurants and like pay for people with an FR shirt. That didn't work. So we finally just hung out right there at the Walmart parking lot and found people to talk to. So that worked. I think that how is long, so How long cool. did it take for them to say yes? Six months. Six months. I mean, w- within three months, we had a small contract. And then within six months, I felt like w- this is a place to be. We're going to make it work. So one of the most annoying parts of movies and shows, and Seinfeld was really good about this. They would show the guy go up to the girl, and then they were out on a date. How did you walk up to that person and then end up in the office? Okay, you, you missed the middle part. <laughs> How did you ask out the girl? No. How did you get the... the, I'm sorry, but you accosted somebody in the parking lot of Walmart. Well, so to be clear, we didn't really tackle anybody in Walmart parking lot, to be clear. It was a desire to do so. It was a strategic... You walked up to him. Absolutely. We walked up to him and we would just say, hey, looks like you're from out of the area. You can tell their license plate says North Dakota too, right? So you walk up, you shake their hand and you say, hey, I'm from North Dakota. How are you doing? And people, one thing about oil and gas... People love to talk. Oh, that's true. They love to talk. So you just start a conversation, and before you know it, you're seeing them at IHOP in the morning, and you're talking, oh, I work for Marathon, or I work for, insert name, a producer, and you have an in. I still so. got a guy from Whiting. He's been talking for four days on record. I left. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to check on him. I do make the actual true statement where there is a number of interviews where I've just said hello to somebody. Like, how are you doing today? 20 minutes later is the next question. Like, yeah. I didn't even ask a question, and they just kept going and going and going, just interviewing themselves, much like how I do interviews. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and Sean, we talked about this a second ago, right? We're both short, not to be rude. Oh, <laughs> well, um, we're challenged. <laughs> I don't vertically know. challenged? We weren't going to say that, because remember, we have this unique opportunity that we can walk through the convention, and we're at eye level with people's name tags, That's right? right. So we, we immediately have... opportunity. It, yeah, we can just say, hi, Sean. And you, oh, oh, hi, hey, Joe Shane. from Marathon. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
remember, remember me? Your work? No, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry you don't remember me, but I'll let you make it up to me by me letting me come to see you tomorrow. Exactly. In your office, yep. right? And so it was much the same with license plates down on Carlsbad, New Mexico. There ain't nobody local in Carlsbad, New Mexico at that time. Now there is. You know, people have moved back to the area and there's an actual economy there and people want to be there. So um, it would be different to go do the same tactic today that we did back in 2016, 17, but it worked. So we still have operations here in the Bakken, by the way. That is still one of the coolest cold calls for a, a legit professional organization and in industry. Like, I get that if you're, you know, selling raffle tickets or Girl Scout, Girl Scout cookies, cookies or whatever the heck it is. But <laughs> so we're a professional oil and gas company. Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Well, well, okay. So there are a bunch of trucks. Um, I'm not going to name names of companies, but they are company branded trucks. So, like you're saying, if you're in the Walmart parking lot and you happen to see someone go into a company-branded truck, you can do a quick little, hey, hi. Oh, absolutely. I noticed that you work for such and such company. Exactly. And one thing is, though, if you make it about yourself, like, oh, hi, producer, I'd like to go to work for you, they just keep walking, right? There's a subway inside Walmart. They just want dinner, and you can't find that in Carlsbad. Right. Right? <laughs> so, please don't ignore me. Or, you know, please <laughs> right. just keep walking. But if you walk up to him and say, hey, I noticed you're from North Dakota. So am I. And you just hang it. Now they want to talk. And then they start talking and it just fills in the blanks. Look at that. You sneaky. sneaky. I know. Well, you know what, Jason? I'm I'm an accountant by trade. And somehow I ended up as a business owner. And so sales and marketing. That's way more exciting. Way more exciting. personality like an accountant. I know. I found that out. I work for the government. Can you imagine? It and comes not only in for handy, the government, though. but in the wastewater industry of you the government. You'd be like a rock star around there with the energy you bring. Well, it was, I don't know if the union would agree with that, but we. Well, and a union yeah. to boot. Okay. Yeah, uh, right, right. A public service huh. union, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about sales and marketing, but I love people. So I figured I don't care what the books say about sales and marketing. I'm just going to go visit with people. And every Sounds time like I've done that, I think it works. Most. So. Yeah. Let's talk about Westcom. Yeah. Where is your headquarters and where do you operate? So we operate out here in the Bakken in uh, Watford City. We have an office and then we have an office in Williston, North Dakota. So that's our North Dakota locations and then in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And then also in Duluth, Minnesota. That's where I live. So that's where our quote unquote headquarters is. And then we also have an office in Ashland, Wisconsin. In Wisconsin? Yeah. We love the cheeseheads. We don't really love them, but they got good work Is there a lot of work in Wisconsin? Well, to be honest, Oil and gas type of work? No, there's not. There's a couple pipelines that run through there, so we do a little bit of work for them. Okay. Well, Um, you do roustabout work, so you do pipeline maintenance and service? Exactly. Down in the Permian only is our mechanical service right now. Well, actually, there's there's another pipeline company that we do their whole northern line, so we... Actually, this week we have a crew in Boyne Falls, Michigan. We got one over in Crystal Falls, Michigan, Cloquet, Minnesota. That's all for one uh, pipeline company. So we're mm. all over the place for people. That's why. We're so you're able to be America. mobile if you need yeah. to. Well, one thing that we've had a lot of success with is our guys that got trained in North Dakota and figured this basin out. It's super transferable down to the Permian Basin. And once you have that, you can go out into the pipeline industry pretty easy. So, yeah, all of our crews, not everyone travels. Right. But it's kind of talked about a lot, like, hey, you're joining a company to energize America. It's pretty hard to do just in one spot. Right. So be ready to travel a little bit. Well, it's it's a smart business practice, too, to not put all of your eggs in one basket. I hate saying that word, but it's, believe me, as a buyer, it's bit me in the butt when we, you know, hire, and I've hired roustabout companies who basically formed their company to support 
my company's operations. Yep. And I tell them all the time, please find other operators to work for because if we sell or shut down, I don't want you to be left holding the bag. Right. right. Well, so here in the to last diversify and be able to support different basins, different companies is so important. Well, I was just talking with another uh, competitor of mine in the area here. And he was talking about trying to find a truck right now. You can't find trucks, right? Never mind. The government is claiming we're really, really hurting. So whatever. But everyone's so busy they can't see straight trucks. Re- trucks can included. We, can we do a public service announcement right now and say that there is a truck driver shortage in America, period. Right. So if you're someone who's looking for a job, please go get your CDL and go get a job with an oil and gas company. You can uh, haul frac sand. You can haul equipment. There are a million transportation jobs available right now. There's such a truck driver shortage. And the other public service announcement is that you don't need an education to do it. That's right. You don't need to go in $100,000 in debt. And by the way, you go do this, you make really good money, but best of all, you work with awesome people. I've worked in a lot of industries, and the oil and gas is by far the best of the best. Right, and so, some of these jobs don't have to be uh, multi-state. You can do in-state hauling. So absolutely. you can find a job in Texas hauling stuff, you know, three, four, five miles away. Right. You don't have to get a truck driving job driving four or five days no. to make a delivery. So right? we have guys in our Ashland, Wisconsin office who bring uh, skids from Ashland over to Duluth. We mount electrical equipment on them, and then we ship them out to North Dakota or down to Carlsbad, and we need drivers on every one of those legs. So, yeah, there's a big shortage. But the the point is, is when you have multiple basins and you operate multiple areas, if this area gets slow, you can take those trucks and move them to a different area and keep on going. So if you only have one customer or one location, that's hard to do. You're very limited. Yeah. For sure. Are you guys in Duluth because of the port? We love the port. We do a lot of work for the a railroad. The port of Duluth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're in Duluth because my parents decided they wanted to... They had nine Is kids. that why? Well, I don't... What, are you I, Catholic or what? No, Lutheran, but here's the deal. I was, no, no, there's no Lutheran with nine kids. Well, you, All right, go Nice on. to meet you, Jason. The first one right here. You're looking at them, right? And and by the way, I have nine. So mom and dad had oh seven. Goodness. I know, right? So the mom and dad does had, fall from the forest. Okay. It does, I'm not sure right. That was so, right. No, that didn't really make sense, but it's after hours. So... We were, my parents lived in Duluth, Minnesota, and I was number seven of the family, and the economy tanked back in the 80s, so they came out here to Beulah, North Dakota, and I was the only kid born in North Dakota, and I tend to brag about that a lot, because I, I mean, have when a business the economy in North tanks, Dakota. you go where coal is, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. So dad helped build the coal plant, and then we went back to Duluth, and 30 that. years later, we're still freezing, and we're still pretending like it's a great place to be. I've interviewed the port director several times, and that's how I know about the Duluth port. And I was trying to figure out what the heck you would be doing in Duluth, Minnesota with oil business. Right. Well, actually, the port makes sense. Well, and there's a big refinery right across the bridge in Superior, Wisconsin. Superior, yep. There's Enbridge runs through Duluth. Um, There's pipelines. Yep. And there's another pipeline company, TC Energy, that has a pretty big presence there. But um, there's also TC Energy. Yeah, used to be Trans Canada. They changed. I was going to say they 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 changed their name. Yeah. Yeah. One of our favorites. Not that we play favorites (laughs) with clients. Um, But yeah, there's mining industry, huge iron ore mines about an hour north of us yeah. in Duluth. So we have a crew embedded at one of the mines that does electrical maintenance work. We do work on the shipyard all the time on the sh- uh, loaders how, to how load the ships. How much of your business is oil and gas, do you think? Uh, about 70%. It is that high? Yeah, it's huge. So Has it used that to be, changed at all in the last two, three years? Yeah, absolutely. So 
when I got involved in the business in 2013 by chance through a family friend, we were four employees and we were 100% oil and gas in uh, Newtown, North Dakota. So over the years, we've tried to like, hey, we got to get more strategic, do more than yeah. just we love. What we learned. Were you is working for Whiting at the time? No. Oh. But I should have been. Well, I worked for Whiting, and oh, we had uh, compressor stations in Newtown. Okay, yeah. So, there's sorry. another. That was insider information. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a big private company and um, big private producer in Newtown area that's been a client of ours for years, and they're really awesome. Okay. The problem is that they yang yang with the oil price. So when it goes down, they shut down. When it goes up, they want a hundred people, right? So I that's would love some consistency. You I would know? love yeah. a business like that, by the way. I know. Figure well, price is this. Shut her down. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, price no, but back. that's Let's that's terrible because work. no, it's terrible business because you're laying people off and then things go back up and you have to restaff. That's and what I'm saying. I don't understand no, how people like do a, it. It's like a slingshot all the time. Well, and but w- if you can find a consistent client way to operate then you're golden then you're golden so don't you know when when oil prices skyrocket don't hire a hundred people and put out a hundred rigs you know maybe find a happy medium well sean there's a lot of peers of mine who are like get out of oil and gas you're nuts that's too volatile right and i tell them wait a second i love that challenge how about we even that out so like for us to be able to one thing that's consistent about oil and gas what do you need people who want to work hard long hours and when it's game time it's game time yep. turns out those three things are absolutely necessary in mining they're necessary in shipyard they're necessary on the railroad and all of that stuff runs through i Duluth. think that's necessary in blue collar work in real work we're just calling right? blue collar work, work. Yeah. exactly so it, it, what we need to do better as providers to the oil field company or to the producers is to be more mindful of that and try and get that other work to help take some of the pressure off of them. Believe me, last two years ago when the oil pro- or during COVID a year ago, that wasn't fun for the producers to call us and say, guess what? You're 40 guys. I need exactly zero of them tomorrow. Yeah. That was they want you to stick them. around for yeah. when things pick back up. I'll so if you can busy. diversify and say, hey, we're not only going to support the oil and gas industry, but the shipyards and marine services and every, everything else. Because I know you'll be there when I need you. Right. So now that Newtown company that had us down to zero guys for a whole year, when they ramped back up in March this year, we were able to fill those 25 positions pretty easily. Just shifting resources and keeping our key people in the right areas and expanding from mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. What types of electrical services do you all do? So new well pad construction is a big one. Um, we do a lot of maintenance. So we're out um, troubleshooting just replacing breakers, doing new wire poles, doing automation upgrades. Um, do you need facilities breaks. or yeah. plant, plant electrical installation? Yep. So we have about 20 guys who are just facility maintenance, um, in and out doing facility construction and maintenance. So whatever the folks are asking for us, and it's kind of depends on the area, right? So Jason was asking like, what's with Duluth? You know, well, that's the 30% that's non-oil and gas really happens in Duluth. And that's where we're doing a lot of the facility uh, construction and maintenance work. Whereas out here in the basins, we're doing a lot of well pad work. Gotcha. So, yeah. Mm. What would you say your core service is? Electrical. Electrical Electrical? and automation is our core. Um, Mechanical we do because we got pushed into it by our producers. They weren't able to find the right people. Um, And then we do a little bit of environmental work as well for our producers. In what way? Uh, AVO, LDAR inspections, um, and some spill cleanups. What do you use for your leak detection? For our leak detection, we Mm -hmm. just... 
So we're only the guns. Yep, and AVO work is non-equipment related, audio, vi- visual, and obligatory. So that's just showing up on a location and doing. And that's in New Mexico where we're doing that work. So New Mexico, unfortunately, guys, you guys got to get down to New Mexico and teach these people a thing or two. No, okay, I Jason? heard there's no cell service down there. Uh, so well, right, but that's that can be a good thing. Right, if you That's think about true. it, turn yeah. it into a positive. Yes and so no, unless you're lost. We're heading down there in June. Are unless you? Yeah. Unless yeah. you're lost, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I heard they got some nice waterfalls and caverns. They the caverns are awesome. You gotta so go I'm through the caverns. Well, yeah, might stay for the oil, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> get in with that governor and teach her a thing or two, Jason. She doesn't understand this, right? So there's new regulations coming down right now that they have to do monthly AVOs are normal uh, in every state that Is you got to. Is that Lujan? Luan? You know what? I believe yeah, Luann, whatever her name is, I don't even want to. Is that rude to say? I don't want to know. Well, you can say um, whatever you want here in the crude life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've gotten that impression. Everybody's so, welcome and everything is welcome. Yeah. Here. So anyway, she just made a new regulatory change where you have to do AVOs weekly rather than what only monthly. What does AVO stand for? Audio Visual Obligatory Inspections. Thank you. So um, We love week, acronyms in the oil and gas industry. I know. <laughs> I didn't see obligatory coming out of that. I don't even know if that's right. That's just what popped in my head. Okay. Because so, you guys obligation? could give me a script. Obligation, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Inside Environmental might to be able to tell you. <laughs> You should interview them. They're great guys. So anyways, we just do that based on the, the producer asked us to do it. So we added that to our to our scope of services. So, But at the heart of it, what Westcom is, is literally just out here to energize America, play a role in that. And we basically have three things that we abide by, urgency, flexibility, accountability. And then we have four core values that we teach everyone. And we go execute, build customers for life. Not customer, but customers, because this is a volatile industry, right? Yes. Empower people. Let's believe in our people. Create opportunities. So if, if there's something in front of us, let's grab it and run with it. And then serve with integrity, because that's, missing, that's missing in a lot of areas in All right, today's one world. question for you here. Go ahead. And then that's about it for me. <laughs> I'll hand it off to Sean Forbes to finish the interview. The first year that I was covering the Bakken, I want to say 2012, might have been 2013, because they kind of blend together. That's $100 oil time, you know, and it was ticking off. Um, I did a story called the Pipe Fitters, Electricians, and Plumbers, the Deities and Demigods of the Bakken. And it had to do with if you were a plumber, or you were an electrician, or you were a pipe fitter, you could just about... Name your price. Name your price. The people I was interviewing in Fargo, North Dakota, stopped sending people out to the Bakken because they'd send them out there. The guys would get hired going out to dinner. They'd be just eating some, you know, restaurant bar in Williston or Watford City. Some Someone would see them and notice they're an electrician, double their salary right there in the bar. And here's the worst part. Here's the kicker. The electric company back in Fargo said, we got to hire them when they come back to work for us because there's such a shortage of electricians and trade people, essentially. Is that still going on? Talk to me about what, what the advantages you might have. Are you certified in certain states and things like that? Right. So it's hard to get licensed in states, right? That's that's the hardest thing about those trades that you mentioned. And through that, it brings this like um, self-worth or this value goes way up. Employees are always the hardest thing to find. Um, now that we've been out here for seven years, it's our easiest thing. We're actually really fortunate. But one thing that separates us from everyone else, from what I understand from our employees, is we have a very active owner. I'm not sitting in Duluth wondering what's going on. 
I'm on the road all the time. And I like last week we had a mine shut down. I was jackhammering concrete with the guys, right? And when you do that, you're reminded of what these guys do every single day. So an electrician, absolute $100,000, no problem. Very easy to make $100,000 a year in the oil field as an electrician just starting out, right? Um, Joe down the road might be willing to pay you 110000 but at that point, what's ten grand? If Joe has a kind of a business that he's just going to lay you off next week as soon as there's no work, then screw it. It's not worth it, right? So I think it, it, treating people right at the core of it, that's what Westcom's all about. We um, get this, right? The first safety meeting I did, Jason, right? This is in Newtown at the little hotel there. So we go there to have a safety meeting. and Which I hotel? Use a, huh? Which hotel? Uh, little Missouri. Okay. Okay. Um, a gr- great motel, by the yes, way, right? Yes, it is. Uh, the only one with it free is. breakfast, I, I think, in the area. <laughs> so, anyways, Let's give them a shout out. Woo! Yeah, right. They're great. They're everywhere. So um, you go there for a safety meeting, and you got these 50 electricians in a room for a monthly safety meeting. They're all making 100 grand or more a year, and you give them a $100 gift card to Shields just as a way of saying thank you. I appreciate what you do. And they're, like, blown away. I've never gotten a hundred dollar gift card from anybody. They can't believe it, right? So through that, that's what breeds this um, desire to want to work at Westcom. Right, it's because someone appreciates you. Birthday cards, very normal. Like that's easy. Come on, but right. really, just sitting down and listening to your people. So, uh, Jason, someday my dream is that you actually go from crude life to trade life. Like we need to start talking more about these trades and what it does for people. Right? There's this misconception in the world that tradespeople ain't really worth all that much. It's not a good thing. You need to go to college. Oh, my gosh. No, you're speaking to the choir. So my daughter is about to go to college in Colorado, and she wants to be a zoologist. I, I hope I, I didn't just show any rudeness no, no, no. in my face. No, I, I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate her passion. This is yep. something she's wanted to do since she was in elementary school. Smooth as no, sandpaper. <laughs> but I, I've been trying to convince her to go get her electrical certificate go to school to be an electrician she's a, a, a girl she yep. is a woman so go for a year and a half go work for a company start your own business as an electrician it is one of the most sought after professions especially as a woman where you, know, you could cater to women and say hey if you're uncomfortable with a man coming into your house to look at your electrical right. problems here I am to solve what that a problem, great idea. Right? Or HVAC. HVAC is a huge sought-after skill right now. Someone can go for a six-month certificate and come out making 100K a year as right. an independent contractor. Right? Like, trades are where it's at. It is. So I'm with you. I am so what, with what's you. What's with it, the stigma behind it? I don't know. So, and, and I think, I think part it's, of it. It's, it's a hype. And it's an, a hype. Embedded. But, Sean, it's also, I think, that we haven't done a good job as owners of our businesses in rewarding our employees. Like, we think they already make 100 grand a year. That's good enough. They must think I appreciate them. No, they actually don't know that. People like to be told, hey, Sean, thanks for, thanks for hosting that crude life. I know the Bakken show is long, and you had to work <laughs> until 6 o'clock at night, and I know I got crazy in the evening, but, hey, thanks for your extra effort. Yeah. You don't hear that in today's world, right? And for me, it's I don't want to call it a secret because I tell everyone, like, just treat your people right. That's all you have appreciate, to do. Appreciate their skill and their effort. Oh, right. It goes a long way. It does. It goes a long way. So I think, I don't know if that's the reason, Jason, but that's how I boil it up. I thought when you mentioned I should get in the trade life, oh. I thought you meant, like, 
greatest and worst trades of all time. So stocks. I started are thinking dead about okay, and the cryptocurrency her- is what it's all about. I started trades, thinking about the Herschel Walker trades. trade right away. When, you know, being from yeah. Minnesota, the worst trade ever <laughs> in the history of the Minnesota Vikings and the NFL, <laughs> Herschel Walker trade, which made the Dallas Cowboys into what, a five-time Super Bowl championship team or whatever they turned into. Yep. But I do want to mention the worst trade ever in sports because I think it's actually relevant what we're talking about. I really do. Tom Brady? Nope. We're going to get what we call existential energy. We're going to go 5,000 foot above the 5,000 foot view. Okay. Okay. Existential energy time. The worst trade ever in sports history, folks, is when the Boston Red Sox traded. You know who he traded? Babe Ruth. Probably the greatest baseball player of all time, who not only was a home run hitter, but he was also a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So not only did he do the offense, but he did the defense. So not, not only was he Barry Bonds, he was also Sandy <laughs> Koufax, right? <laughs> the reason I'm bringing it up, because we're going through the great reset right now. Isn't that right? We're going through the great reset. Everybody's supposedly whole new way of life, ESG, right? Yep, yep. Oil companies are no longer oil companies. We're energy companies, the whole deal, right? Yep. Baseball sucked. Baseball sucked so bad. The Boston Red Sox traded the greatest baseball player ever. It still does. Sorry. And he still does. He's still the greatest baseball player ever because he did offense and defense. Yep. They traded him. Are you ready for this? For a hundred grand, and the rights to a musical, the rights to get a loan on a musical. I think Na Na Nanette is what it was called. Musicals were so big back in the day, it was better than baseball. What year was this? Nineteen oh four or five. It, it something sounds like, like twenty. Hundred thousand dollars back then was equivalent to what? Today? It was big money. Big money. It was big money, but yeah. it was a musical that did it. it. Had nothing to do with Babe Ruth. They used Babe Ruth as leverage. To get the musical, okay. Times have changed. Think about what baseball's done and what musicals have done. Yeah, right. Baseball's gone on. It had a run to be the biggest thing for 40, 50 years. America's pastime. Now it's dog. Yep. It's nothing because the NFL <laughs> took over the Catholic Church and everything, man. Yeah, right. NFL They're everywhere. Owns Sunday. Yep. The whole deal. So I look at that and I, I, I think that's a relevant story because nobody knew what they had. Nobody knew what they had. And right now, people need to look at what they have in their own house. They need to look at what their resources are because they might have the next Babe Ruth. They could. All they got to do is give them a chance. Right. They got to give them a chance. So I said I would not ask any more questions, so I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to go ahead and make that statement and hand the baton off. Go ahead. Thank you, Jason. What a baton. Wow. (laughs) That's a good analogy, though. We need to trade this teaching of college education for empowering our children to follow their passion. And whether it's a zookeeper, let her go, right? I think it's just, well, you know, what 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 jobs out there are lacking in skilled workers, right? Like Right. right now, there's a focus on STEM, right? Math, science, technology, engineering. Um... And I don't know if you notice this, Sean, as you're walking around at the Williston Conference here, but there's like every other booth is an engineering company, right? Yeah. And like I, engineers are very needed and they're necessary. But I'm just wondering who's going to install everything that they're out engineering. Because <laughs> I, I literally saw one other electrical contractor at this conference with me. Well, there are a lot of engineering firms out there and that's a highly competitive 
trade, which I is why they're here today exhibiting at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. <laughs> right, because you know they're, how they're many engineers it takes to screw in a light bulb? Uh, I think I've heard four. Okay, and what is that? One to hold the yeah. ladder, okay. one to go up the ladder, one to pray for the guy on the ladder, and one to screw the bulb in. I, I always I don't heard know. it was a dozen. Okay. It was 12 people to stand around and find someone else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always heard the, the joke was, but whatever. Yeah, you know, it works it, either out one works. Levels. Yep. Engineer, actually, I got an engineer story real quick, okay. and then I'll let you guys finish up. Uh, we hired an engineer to do sales one time. Worst <laughs> mistake ever. Best mistake, worst mistake. Yeah. Friend of a friend of a friend needed a job, hired him to do sales. Didn't sell one thing. But what he did do is give us one hell of a spreadsheet on how any time you drive more than 150 miles, you should rent a car because he went through the, the, oil, economics. the oil changes down to the brakes and everything. So we actually looked at that as we came out ahead sure. because we took that and incorporated it in the business. <laughs> Worst salesman ever, linear thinker. But damn it, they, 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 he... he he made us money at the end of the day. Well, and I don't... It, right. They do have a purpose, right? We've got a couple engineers who work in our office for us. They're great guys. But the difference between our engineers is they they got their start out in the electrical field, right? So one was an apprentice right out of high school. He did the apprenticeship program. He became a journeyman. Now he's a master in two states. And during the time he went back to college to become an electrical engineer. So when he's doing work in our office, he's got the he knowledge. He knows the field service is part of it. And by the way, he's out in Boyne Falls, Michigan right now doing a project for us because we got kind of busy this week so he he got in his truck and he headed out and did it it's flexible and versatile yeah, right, right right i said you got to be flexible accountable urgent he fits the bill so not all engineers are the same that's right sometimes if you ask them what time it is they'll tell you how to build a watch exactly <laughs> that's what i do <laughs> that's because i just talk too much what time is it well yeah. shane okay so you live in minnesota i do do you fish i love to fish fishing openers <laughs> this weekend i don't like to fish as much as i should or, you know, like being from you Minnesota. You want to, should, but you don't have the time. Yeah, which must mean it's not a priority. Well, I'm on the road a lot, right? So right. It, it can be hard to come home on the weekend or on like a Friday and be like, oh, hi, hon. Um, I'll be out fishing for the weekend. See you Monday. That's oh, actually, I'm in New That's Mexico Monday. That's kind of hard Monday. to... Yeah. Right. So we we but, do get out as much as we but can. But what do you like to fish? What do you fish for? Walleye. So walleye is my sport. We have a little cabin on a lake, so... Throw the boat in the water and go walleye fishing. I'll be waiting for an invitation. Yeah, well, this weekend, come on up. It's a big deal in Minnesota. Come on over. Where are we? Yeah. I'm in Colorado, so. Okay. Up. Over. Over over and up. Over and up. Yeah. And if you're lucky, it might be 45 degrees. Oh, well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like to be warm and fish. Okay. But what is your favorite season? I love the fall. Um, in Duluth, we get awesome fall colors. It's a pretty place to be. And even out in North Dakota, by the way, that drive behind Mandaree and in the Teddy Roosevelt Park, it's beautiful. Carlsbad, New Mexico is gorgeous in the fall. We like to hike, bike. Yeah, we're, we're, I got nine kids. So we, the fall is the time of the year we can all go out and do something as a family. Yeah. So I love the fall. I love the summer. I do love you? warm, warm weather. Well, what are you doing in Colorado if you like warm? Um, because it's a beautiful state with okay. beautiful people. The politics is getting a little out of control, but, um, you know, I tolerate the winter time for the five really great months out of the year. Do they have a shorter winter, though? In Colorado? Yeah. Um, it's not a brutal winter okay. because we'll get snow and it'll melt away pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but... Um, 
Well, it's not the 40 below, 60 below that we get in Minnesota. It's it's not the (laughs) ice chilling, you know, um, well, I grew up in California. So, you know, when I say, oh, I, you know, tolerate the seven months of snow, it's because I'm a weenie, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You'll understand the difference is that when it's horizontal snow, it sucks. When it's vertical snow, it's okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, vertical snow is like a godsend. Oh, right. They were asking me, like in Duluth, aren't there hills? Like, how do you drive through that? And I said, that's just so easy. Now, driving earlier, you just get a four-wheel drive car and you go. It's no problem. They keep the hills clean. You go up and down the hill. But to drive from Duluth, Minnesota to Newtown, North Dakota in the winter on Highway Two with that wind and the snow going sideways, you're praying. You're praying. Uh, well, or else, yeah, sometimes you're following the plow truck right into the median, and right, all of a sudden he's going in see. reverse, you and you're going in. Going on. Right, it's normal. You see the windmill on right. to the right, <laughs> and you try to stay vertical right. with that, right? Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, anyway. it's wicked. All right. Well, how can people get in touch with you and get you some business, my good man? Well, westcominc.com is the easiest way to find us, um, or else we can... Westcom, W-E-S-C-O-M. I-N-C. I-N-C. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah, and a lot of people think Westcom. It's not, there's no T, just Westcom, just to make it hard. What so does yeah. that stand for? You know what? We bought this from a family friend back in 2013 when there was four employees and it was Wires Are Us. And I thought, that's like Toys R Us. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. So I put a bunch of renditions out. Wires are Wires. Us. Wires. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyways, we thought, well, we're in the Western area and we're an electrical service company and Westcom. Western Electrical Services. I don't know. It just, and then we shortened it up and it was like Westcom fit the bill. So there we are. It works. So yeah, give us a call or look us up online and we'll gladly take care of you. But most of all, Jason, keep up the good work and keep oil and gas in a good light. We need you. So thank you. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Listen to Seal. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. 
It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. This is Sean Forbes from OG Directory, standing in for Jason Spies. Today we have Jeff Archer from Critical Fluid Solutions. Jeff, how's the show going for you? This is like day three. It's almost over. It's been an exciting show seeing old friends, making new ones. I mean, it's kind of like a dream, right? Like being at an oil and gas conference. Well, it's a whole new world right now. I mean, with the pandemic, you know, hopefully making a, a turn in a big improvement to the oil and gas industry that the energy is just buzzing. You know, there's great people with great ideas, tons of innovation going on. Uh, you know, I'm going to cheese for just a second and, and uh, you know, say hi to my mom, who I sent a picture of me with Mike Pompeo and uh, got to do a pitch to Harold Hamm this week. And so, you know, it's incredible been, opportunities. It's just fantastic. I mean, and the energy out here, no pun intended, is just fantastic. I mean, people are just ready to be out in the world uh, consuming and, and fueling the economy. Talk about an exciting time. Yeah. And this, this show feels a little different to me because of what you said. You know, it's been a year of isolation, basically, but also an opportunity for companies to kind of hunker down and think about technology and innovation and solutions and how can we really improve customer operations and things. And I don't think that having a a normal operating world, we would have had that opportunity. But now that everyone's kind of back together, there's so much new technology to learn about that people have been able to develop over the last year. Yeah, and that's exactly the spot we've been in at Critical Fluid Solutions. And we had the opportunity to finish our prototyping and get a U.S. patent. So shout out to whoever processed our patent at the U.S. Patent <laughs> Office. You're a rock star. Three weeks is a record time. So Are you thank kidding? You. No, they you know, accepted in, in three weeks. So we're you know, extremely pleased with the, that branch of the federal government. Keep doing great work. That patent attorney knows their stuff. Yeah, Karen Tripp is my patent attorney. She's based out of Houston, and she's a genius. So anybody who needs one, if you if you do oil and gas, she she's an absolute genius. And I love doing work with smart people, and I don't know a smarter person than Karen Tripp. So there's my free shout-out to her. I was going to say, that's a good person to have in your corner. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I agree. I mean, it was a reset year for a lot of things for a lot of people. I mean, and, and people went in a lot of directions uh, with it. Companies really found out, hey, what's important? What's our core business, and what problems do people have? And how are we going to go solve that? Because we can't go out and uh, take clients to dinner. We can't go out and do site visits. How do we really you know, grind into what problems are we going to face when we emerge from this and what solutions are out there? And 
the innovation has been spectacular. I've seen a lot of really cool inventions here, and it, it, it's just been an extremely impressive show. The oil and gas industry is extremely resilient, and, and folks that work in the oil and gas industry are so resilient. We're tough, man. We, it is. We, we have high highs and low lows, and, and, and you have and to be able to ride those waves. Great Americans. I mean, you know, entrepreneurship, small business ownership, and, and, and clean, safe energy, that is the bedrock of America. And, you know, I am just so impressed with the grit, tenacity, tenacity, moxie of the people around here because, you know, without it, America doesn't run. And, you know, just deeply impressive people from all walks of life, ages, colors, genders, and everybody's in it together to provide for Americans and, and lift people out of poverty and keep the world moving. You know, it's an incredibly important mission. And I'm proud to be part of it. Yeah. What does your company do? Critical Fluid Solutions. I'm an inventor, and we provide uh, rapid uh collapsible fabric tank storage for companies that need fluid stored in all kinds of situations. Environmental response uh, during road restriction season when tanks get full, um, uh, emergency management, and then in some defense applications. Um, you, you know, we do a little bit of everything, but mostly, uh, you know, fluid storage. So you showed me a video yesterday about your product, and it looked like we called it a, a pop-up RV. It is. <laughs> or an expandable pop-up RV. Yeah, if oil wanted to go on vacation and, and set out somewhere it wasn't supposed to be, that's what it does. It pops out, you know, uh, less than 20 minutes it deploys. It has its own secondary containment. And, you know, it's America's such a great place. I drew it on a napkin. I took it to a friend of mine from church, and I said, hey, could we build this? And he goes, oh, yeah, I would probably build this. And I brought it to a bunch of engineers, and they said, oh, yeah, this is going to work no problem. And, you know, here I am, you know, in my early 30s, a hillbilly from Oklahoma, an inventor, you know, a U.S. Army veteran. I've lived a, such a blessed life. And, I, you know, I feel just so incredibly proud to be part of this industry, part of this country. Uh, I was going to say there's no better industry to allow people to be creative and start a business from it. Absolutely. Than the oil and gas industry. Like and you'll have, you know, major producers out there or major service companies. Let's talk about maybe Big Blue or Big Red. You have some guy who works in the field. And he's using the same old tools all the time. And then one day he gets an idea in his head and he goes, hey, if we had a tool that looked like this, we could probably save some time. And those companies actually enable that person to develop and create a product. And they're going to be their first customer. Absolutely. And all the best companies are the ones that listen to their employees, especially the folks that do the work. And the oil and gas industry, to its credit, has really listened to the folks on the, on the ground. I mean, most people would dismiss me, a hillbilly from Oklahoma, and say, you can't engineer anything. Not the oil and gas industry. They say, you have an idea, we're interested. Especially if it's an idea that saves time and money or, or makes, the, makes it safer for the environment or makes it safer to do business. Right. And, you know, it's, it's an industry that wants to listen. It's an industry that wants to innovate. And I think that's one of the key differentiators that we have against wind, solar, and other competing technologies that are an important part of the energy mix. But because we've had cost pressure for so long and because we have to be profitable without huge government sub subsidies, we have to learn to innovate. And, you know, God bless them. There are no better people in America than the folks that do the work that can innovate and change, you know, the way that we deliver energy to the world. Absolutely. And you talked about jobs. The industry creates jobs, especially for folks that don't have a college degree. You know, we have so many guys who work out in the field and they're some of the brightest people that you've ever met. You talk to them and they, like you said, they sound like a hillbilly, but when they talk about drilling operations or frack operations, I'm like, you lost me. 
<laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> five words in, you lost me. You know, there was a know? couple of lies that they've told us for a long time. One is it. One is that you need to go to college to make a living. And what we've totally done is dismissed huge swaths of Americans that are extremely competent, extremely intelligent, very hardworking. Working. They have the tenacity and the grit to make it. And told them, yeah, you're not as important. Well, America has woken up to the fact that that is wrong. That blue-collar Americans are what drives the world and, you know, makes every industry work. And you know who can help you automate and make it safer and better? The blue-collar worker. The skills. The the, the, the skills. The skills and the trades. And people have also, you know, believed that, you know, oil and gas is very regressive, but... It, when, in fact, we employ a lot of people that folks wouldn't normally employ. And we have a very progressive agenda when it comes to employing people of color, when it comes to uh, supplier diversity, when it comes to uh, people with a checkered background that need a second chance. We have a very progressive industry that we actually mean what we say and, and do what we say. And we're helping Americans get back to work. And, uh, you know, we, we are a country of self-starters. And, you know, there's a whole pool of very hardworking very kind, very smart people that work in the oil and gas industry, they're important to this country. Yes, you talked about supplier development. Okay, you didn't talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. Yeah, supplier diversity. We're real supplier, passion of mine. Supplier diversity. So, oh, you talked about government subsidies. Oh, yeah. Right? To help us do our job. Yep. And the fact that we don't rely on that. No, we learn to be profitable without huge government subsidies, which is a, is a key differentiator between our industry and others. Right. So the oil and gas industry does an amazing job of developing suppliers. Absolutely. I just got my certification, certified professional in supplier diversity. You and I talked about this yesterday, about being able to differentiate or certify or highlighting the the companies that are woman-owned, veteran-owned, minority, uh, especially companies who operate in economically disadvantaged areas, and finding ways to help build them up to be an amazing partner. Yeah, absolutely. One, what we found is those Americans are some of the hardest working Americans and they care a lot. They're not giant corporations. They're people trying to feed their families and make their community better. And, you know, we need to be very careful not to be immediately dismissive when we hear, oh, this is a minority owned business or a woman owned business and say, well, they're getting a free check mark. No, this is a super hardworking American who's put their own money and time on the line to make America a better place. And we need to be have honest conversations that not everybody has the same economic opportunities as everybody else. But America is a place where capitalism can lift people out of poverty. And these people are, are trying. They're doing a great job. They deliver very intelligent solutions. And they have the, the know-how and the grit to get there. And so if you're looking for you know, a partner that can really help lift your business, I would say look to you know, suppliers in a hub zone. Uh, economically disadvantaged, veteran-owned, minority-owned, Native American-owned, because those business owners, they're, they're, they are absolutely what makes America great. Right. They are absolutely the job they're creators. The they are the backbone of this country. And they have a lot to contribute, and it's a great passion of mine, uh, you know, looking for, you know, d- developing suppliers and learning about supplier diversity. And, and that is what this melting pot of America is all about. We all came here, except for the Native Americans, who you know, who... Uh, you know, whole other story there. We all came here looking for a better chance, and it, it is our job to look out for one another, be our brother's keeper, and help. You know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Yep. We. I forgot we talked about your background in procurement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, you have this 
same respect for suppliers that I do, being a, in a procurement person. Yeah, you, I, cu- you I cut deal my with teeth a lot that of, way, yeah. Yeah, you deal with a lot of companies and mom-and-pop companies, and sometimes you have to make concessions for these companies and give them better payment terms than you would a bigger company and look out for the little guy. You know what I think people miss in the oil and gas industry is everybody thinks everybody's trying to turn you around and shake the nickels out of your pocket, and that isn't the truth. Right. What they're trying to do is find solutions that make you profitable that also make them profitable. Since when did making a living become a dirty word in America? You know, why can't we look for collaborative solutions where everybody wins? And so I actually think it's just absolutely ridiculous, this idea that we need to make the pie, you know, I want the biggest slice of the pie that I can get. No. You make a bigger pie, and you give everybody the slice that they want. And, you know, my encouragement to, you know, folks that are doing supplier diversity work or supplier development work is look how to make the pie bigger because people are interested in that. Look how you can save them money and make yourself profitable and, you know, in the interim, and then also hire folks. And, and my other, you know, you know, big passion is we need to take a really good look at folks that need a second chance. Uh, you know, there's a, uh, a lot of mistakes people make that aren't public, and there are some stakes, mistakes that are very public. And uh, we need to be taking care of our brothers and sisters here in America that might have struggled with addiction or struggled with a criminal record and have made something of themselves and pulled themselves out of that. I guarantee you they'll be the hardest workers you got. And they'll be loyal because you gave them a shot. Absolutely. A shot. Absolutely. That's what, that's what America is all about, second chances. And, you know, America's got on some shaky footing a couple of times with some, some agendas that people really scratch their head at or, and they don't understand, you know, really the value um, but, I, you know, I encourage America to look back to its roots, which is, you know, capitalism, a rising tide lifts all ships, innovation, small business, and, and, and helping each other out. You know, hiring people, creating jobs, and making America the place you want to live. Yeah. So, Critical Fluid Solutions. How long has the company been around? How many people work for the company? Oh, it's a small company. We've been around a couple of years, um, and we just started marketing a couple of months ago. So we're brand new to this. This is my first trade show. Wow, super hard to do. Yes. I had no idea how difficult it was to be a supplier. And um, <laughs> But we, we finished our prototyping and our patenting work, and we go, okay, we're ready to see the world. Um, what an eye-opening experience for me, having never been on the other side of the table. Man, there's some really hardworking folks out there that... that you don't realize how hard it is. Yeah, to be able to promote your product and find people that are willing to stop and take a couple of minutes and actually look you in the eye and hear what you're saying. Absolutely. Because everybody thinks it's they're challenging, trying to sell but you I something. think we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the truth of the matter is nobody can know everything about everything. Sure. You know, um, Mark Twain had a great quote, and I'll, I'll probably butcher it, but I'll do my best to paraphrase. He said, when I was 16, my dad didn't know anything. And by the time I was 30, I was shocked at what he had learned. And as we, you know, as we get more mature in our careers, we realize, hey, we don't know everything about everything. And there's a lot of smart people out there that can help us you know, solve very complex problems. Right. And the great thing about the oil and gas industry is that we're a huge network and almost a family. You know, we Absolutely. look out for each other. I think... Everyone is willing to help each other and mentor and connect buyers and sellers in the industry. And um, I love the community of it. Absolutely. And the it's very of friendly. It. Yes, it it's, is. It's very friendly. And I know that, you know, um, it's a difficult industry to break into, uh, but it's worth it in the end. And so, you know, I'm here making friends and doing my best and just proud to be an American, proud to be an innovator, and, and hopefully one day create a lot of jobs for this country. I love your outlook on the industry. 
and your passion towards the workforce. Well, and I think there is, you know, I did, I do believe that there is a moral case for fossil fuels, and I, I do believe that we're an important part of the energy mix. I don't know that we'll be the dominant industry forever, uh, but petrochemicals are not going away. Uh, plastics, they're not going away. Single-use plastics have saved the lives and probably at this point hundreds of millions of people in surgeries and other medical uh, scenarios. And so it is an important uh, aspect of our economy and it is an important part of the energy mix and I'm proud to be part of it. And, and I'm excited for competing technologies that are going to make America better. That's what innovation is all about. Yeah. I think that people will be surprised at how resilient the oil and gas industry is and how well we'll be able to stay profitable despite a lot of challenges. Right. How can people get a hold of you if they um, want to learn more about your product or, and s- solutions? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, go to our website, www.fast-tank.com, and we, we'd love to hear from you. There's a Connect, uh, connect page there or, or find our LinkedIn page, and, you know, we're excited to talk to anybody that has an idea or a problem and collaborate with them. What's your email address and phone number? It's jarcher at fast-tank.com, or you can call me at 713-825-3489. Again, that's Jeff Archer, 713-825-3489. Jeff, it was a pleasure to meet you. Oh, this was an honor. I mean, this is super fun. I, I hope to, you know, talk to you in a year and talk to you about the progress. Yes, please. Thank right. you. Take care. heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The tide came in, honey, you went out. The tide went out, honey, you came in. The tide came in, honey, you went out. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an 
industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. All right, welcome back to the Williston Basin Petroleum. We are the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Sean Forbes. Jason Spee, Sean Forbes, filling in for Sterling, who's back in Fargo. Well, he's got a wife and two kids, so he doesn't get to travel too much. He also has a regular day job because, you know, he's never worked a day in oil and gas in his life, but he grew up living on an oil base in Saudi Arabia for 10-plus years, so he has more of, a respect than, more of a respect for the industry than most people I've ever met in the industry, actually. So he's a great guy to have on here. Sean Forbes comes to us from... OG directory. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Oh, that's good to hear. So, okay. Commercial break was okay for you? Commercial break? Yeah. Yes. You were able to health get break, uh, health break? Well, I went by I just went by the snack table and yesterday they had veggies and fruit. And so I thought, well, they're going to have the same thing today, but they didn't. They have this chocolate covered popcorn and chocolate covered strawberries and chocolate covered pretzels and donuts and cookies and I, I can't eat gluten or dairy, so I just tried not to cry as I walked by all these delicious things. Yes, I was like, I want that, but I can't have it. So, anyway. Eric Calderon is joining us, as well as Aaron Davidson. They are with Power Century, Century with an S. And let's just talk a little bit about the company first, then we'll get into uh, kind of who you guys are, what you do a little bit, just kind of that, you know, 60 second version of a commercial of what you guys do. Yeah, well, thanks so much. We're glad to be here. Power Century is a company that started in 2017, so we still think of ourselves as a fairly young company. Uh, we are focused on delivering power management solutions for the oil field, and uh, we do that through two main products. Both products are focused on trying to control power at the well site, and our core product, the on-site storage system, actually has an ESG component reducing the amount of power being used at a well system. So uh, we have a, a statement which is true in that we can help you reduce the amount of uh, electricity in your field at your wellhead and um, help you achieve your ESG outcomes by lowering the amount of CO2 being used in your operation. Our first product was launched in 2017 and uh, we have installations throughout the Bakken and throughout Texas. Our latest product launched late last year is called um, ERT, which stands for Electric Ride-Through. And what this product does is it allows um, operators, wherever there may be unstable power, to have a power backup on site that will ride through any sort of uh, fluctuation in power or any sort of event that may cause uh, power to drop. And so if you have tools running down hole or just um, kind of a large pump on the other end that would be affected by power stability issues, our ERT will allow you to get through that. But your your equipment is a main source of power or a secondary? A secondary source. It would okay. be uh, connected uh, between the end product and the grid coming in, and so uh, the utility coming in, and so we kind of sit between, but it's a, it's a secondary source of power. Okay. Right. So would you say that the main source of power, it doesn't matter what the main source of power is? Um, if it's electrical or diesel fired no, or... No, no, technically it doesn't. Uh, where we've had most of our installs of ERT have been where there is um, you know, electrical power coming from a utility. And uh, our product will really shine whenever there is a, a dip in that power from like a reclosure event 
or some other uh, power sag that may occur. Weird power surge or weather, weather or exactly their, right. their source fails. And our product is not a power backup for a long period of time. The, okay. Really, the notoriety of what we do is it provides instantaneous power backup, so you have no loss. I like to make the comparison on the ERT where imagine in your home if you lose power and you have a generator, eventually your power will come back on, but it may be a minute or two before that generator fires up and everything's going. If you had a, an ERT, if you will, conceptually installed on your house, you would never know you lost power. It's continuous. So it would come right in and kind of sit between uh, the amount of time that it takes your generator to come on. It kind of uh, implants itself and allows you to have a ride through for that period of time. This is, this is important, right? Because this is a mitigating risk and it could be a, a safety issue, right? Yeah, we, we really think about the cost of having, um, let's say, an ESP uh, downhole have a power issue and then lock up and you have to pull that out and uh, do a full workover, it's quite expensive. And so, um, you know, this, this product can prevent those issues from coming up. And we know the reality is in a lot of different parts of the oil and gas industry, the grid infrastructure isn't great, right? Power isn't great. So there can be a lot of times where power isn't stable. And this is why we feel like uh, our product is catering to that specific need that exists. Um, so far, we've seen our product used, as I mentioned, on ESP applications, but also um, in saltwater disposal facilities where they have these large pumps moving water. And if that goes down, it creates a lot of issues upstream. Well, in a backlog, too. Those trucks don't want to be sitting there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, we really think of this as being an important product for the reasons that, that you touched on earlier to provide uh, more stability, to help provide, um, you know, risk mitigation and also, you know, generally just to ensure that operations can operate in a more predictable manner. What is your equipment? Describe it. Yeah. So um, both of our products, we have two main products, use ultra capacitors. That's really the uh, the internal guts of the system. And these ultra capacitors are basically um, what charges and keeps the electrical power stored in the system. And so uh, physically, these look like um, kind of cabinets that would be installed on a well site. They measure about six feet tall, four feet wide, two feet deep. And so uh, these, you know, kind of fit in just perfectly to all the other equipment you would see on a well site. And um, inside are just electronic components and these ultra capacitors. And so these ultra capacitors are used in different ways for each product. <laughs> Going back to our on-site storage, what that does is that hooks into a rod pump system. So the standard pump jack that everyone kind of envisions when you think about oil and gas. Um, this product connects into your, your drive at your pump jack and whenever there's a downstroke of the pump jack, the energy that would normally be dissipated in that downstroke is actually saved in our ultra capacitors and temporarily stored. And on the next upstroke, that power is released and helps provide um, uh, that energy to be utilized in the upstroke ultimately reducing power being consumed because you're recycling energy that would normally just be wasted in that downstroke. Right. And so for operators, and it's a theme we've heard throughout the day today, that ESG matters, right? For operators focused on wanting to reduce their carbon footprint and also decrease the cost of operations, our OSS product can do that. We have, uh, as I mentioned, installs in the Bakken, we have installs in, uh, in the Permian, and on average we see once it's installed, power bills go down around 20% once it's installed. And that's a lifetime savings once that product is installed. Right. And so um, 
we're really excited to be offering that into the market. And I'm an operations engineer, my background. I've, I've worked um, you know, in, in the oil and gas industry as an engineer and had to run a P&L and make these kind of equipment decisions. And I like that we have a product that um, not only meets ESG goals, but will reduce your lease operating expense. And, uh, and so it's, uh, for yeah, me, and you're using the, the inno- side, a, a current that. innovation for a process to generate additional energy, right? Like, exactly so I like right. what you said, it's kind of recyclable or renewable in a sense, right? That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, we have a joke at the office where um, our team is, uh, if you were to look at our parking lot, it kind of describes just perfectly what our company is. Our parking lot is a mix of F-250 pickup trucks and a couple of folks that drive Teslas. And we think that that represents our company. We're an oil-filled company making, you know, uh, power equipment that's innovative in our space. Yeah. Well, this it sounds like your equipment could be used in other industries, too. Is, is your customer primarily oil and gas, or do you venture out to others? It's, it's a great point that you brought up. Um, we are mostly in the oil and gas industry today. Uh, we think that there's still a lot of really good opportunities there, but the technology itself can be applied outside of the energy industry. Um, probably the easiest example on the OSS would be, think of an elevator, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the up and down movement is the same as a pump jack. And so that energy when the elevator is going down can be stored and used when it's you know needing to be lifted back up. A similar concept on the ERT, the electric ride through, and really any sort of industrial process where uh, power failure would be problematic, right, to the process, ERT can be um, installed and, and kind of provide that ride through. And we think about, you know, in an industrial setting, it has to be applied in scenarios where power failure is problematic, but not catastrophic. Because in catastrophic scenarios, power backups are already designed in, right? Right. Hospitals, um, things like correct, that. Correct. Right. But uh, one of the early conversations we had was with a manufacturer that had like a heat treating process. And if power dipped, the product would be ruined because the, the heat would turn off. That's the kind of thing where it's problematic, but not catastrophic. And that's where, you know, ERT could possibly be a fit. So I got a question for you when it comes to, you know, you mentioned ESG a few times. You've given us some pretty good examples of yeah. how you're beyond the buzzword of ESG. You guys are actually out there doing it, which is fantastic because then we don't have to hold your feet to the fire for all the buzzwords <laughs> you just said. So and you, and you help people check the box. Yes. Right. So. How is it out in the marketplace? Um, are you getting good response? Are you getting good response and no business? Are you getting, no, we don't want anything to do with this? We've gotten all the above, so I'm curious what you've gotten. Yeah, I'll touch on a few points and then uh, you know, have Aaron chime in a bit. So, <laughs> Sure, <laughs> let him get his hand slapped. I get it. Yeah, throw him under the bus. Aaron, the you difficult picked questions. Up, picked up on that perfectly. Uh, <laughs> hey, Aaron, you see that bus over there? Go under it. <laughs> So I would, I would touch on, you know, our approach to the market was one rooted in being a kind of operators ourselves that we wanted the product to be in the field and proven and to try to, you know, learn what we needed to working with operations folks. And uh, we were successful in that. And now we're going into talking to corporate groups that are in charge of ESG or in charge of power management. And um, that's where we started to have the, the successful conversations that will continue to allow us to grow. Because now we've said, hey, we've proven ourselves in one of your fields. How do we think about getting this across your entire portfolio? And ESG matters across the whole portfolio. And so um, 2020 was an interesting year to have the right conversations, right? These things moved to virtual in a very fast way. 
and um, you know we, we see now that we're able to get kind of more of the meetings that, that we're hoping to but um, I think we are well positioned to continue to grow uh, and have our products be a very tangible example of how you can improve your ESG outcomes and the great thing is these are not products that require um, a kind of re- reinvent the world mindset these are tangible bite-sized products that can be installed in your well site immediately and start to see a benefit. Um, and, and I think that's something ESG groups are looking for. How do we take the small steps to show wins in addition to the longer-term projects that will show a change over time? Yeah. Aaron, what would you add to that? So to emphasize your point, 2020 was obviously a difficult year with uh, the, the, the situation that's presented itself over the last 12 months, but we were still able to engage with our customer base on the various platforms that were released at the start of this pandemic, Zoom, Teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's no uh, substitute for in-person meetings, which shows like this are excellent for providing, uh, actually refreshing to be meeting people face-to-face now. Uh, but to touch on Eric's point as well with regard to ESG, we're starting to get a better understanding of where our product fits into the ESG narrative. Um, and through research um, and talking with our customers and various other industry peers, uh, we're getting a better idea of how to present uh, our you know, savings uh, from the OSS perspective and maybe some ERT uh, points as well. But OSS is definitely right in line with the ESG narrative. Um, we recently completed a, a data capture initiative with one of the majors in North Dakota in the back end uh, and we saved on an annual basis 254 metric tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere. Now that was on one six well pad but you apply that at scale and the numbers start to become a lot more interesting. That's the equivalent of around 650,000 miles driven or I think it's charging 30 million cell phones so it's it's quite impressive. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. What um, Do you have any customers in California? Uh, California is uh, a market that is very attractive to us. It's, it's one that we're actively pursuing. Um, the, the current state, uh, I guess, conditions there are that it's not one that we can uh, readily travel in because uh, per my previous point, it's easier to get those into face-to-face meetings, uh, look somebody in the eye and talk through um, the, the power Century product. So uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Kevin Downey, he is actively pursuing the California market and we have done some... Uh, research on where we could best apply the OSS product and we're starting to pursue those companies. Yeah, because I mean, how do you feel about brownouts and blackouts? So, you know? Yeah, T- to your point, I mean, all <laughs> I mean, because this is California, yeah. right, with the regulations and they say you're a company that uses a lot of energy mm-hmm. and so you're, you're one of our targets. So when the grid gets to a certain level, yep. because you're on our list, you're either going to shut down your operations yep. or we're going to charge you an exponential amount of money per kilowatt to continue functioning. Exactly. But I feel like if you guys came in with a backup... So the, the beauty they actually could is the OSS is going to be more applicable there. So the OSS shaves peak demand and saves on kilowatt hours. So if we're able to reduce peak demand and that reduces the stre- uh, stress on the utility company, especially if when you apply that at scale again, uh, shaving that peak demand over several thousand wells isn't going to be quite as much onus on the utility and thus hopefully extending power and eliminating outages. Yeah, you gave an example earlier of a success that you had with a customer in terms of reductions, but t- tell me about a, a couple of other instances maybe where 
you've saved a company from a disaster. So with the ERT, um, to, to, to put a, a, a kind of emphasis on Eric's point, we released that mid last year. So we uh, started with a pilot phase with several companies in North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, and West Texas. Um, and that was really just a, a kind of proof of concept and data gathering exercise for us and our customer. Um, we've seen several dozen events where historically that would have shut the VSD down uh, and you know put the, the ESP into backwind and then stop production. Um, we literally probably have between 30 and 40 of those events where the well instrumented with the ERT has maintained production, it stayed online, it's kept going and everything else in the uh, surrounding areas shut down. So there was one instance in West Texas in September last year where there were 12 additional wells surrounding the one uh, and that accounted for around $60,000 in deferred production. That in addition to the stress put on the, the hardware with having to restart these pumps down hole, etc. In places like North Dakota, where there's a lot of sediment in the well, uh, I've had reports from uh, one of the main uh, operators up here that trying to restart that pump is trying to like trying to restart with cement built on top of it. So if we're able to eliminate those you know, uh, shutdowns, we can uh, reduce the stress on the equipment as well. So, yeah, there, there's been lots of events, but th that one in West Texas was most notable because it was there was a lot of emphasis put on the surrounding area. Yeah, as a as a procurement person, I like to say that I quickly pay for myself, and it sounds like there are moments where you guys pay for yourself and put money back in your customers' sure. pockets. Right? And, and one of the uh, Something that we've adopted uh, of late is that we build up the economics for the ERT and the OSS when we're first approaching our customers um, so that we present the value proposition and that we present the savings that we're going to deliver. Um, and yeah, we, we, we in some cases are going to pay for ourselves in six months. In some cases, it's going to extend a little bit beyond that, but we're looking to fall below 24 months and in line with our customers' expectations. Yeah, is your equipment something that you see as a long-term placement? For sure, yeah. So the life of our ultra-capacitors is around 20 years. Uh, so it's going to probably outlive me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old. Jeepers. <laughs> but I, I will say that's quite an accent you have there. Are you from Dallas? Uh, I'm from <laughs> East, East Texas. Canada. <laughs> Sounds Canadian. You can, uh, I'll, I'll give you one guess. Alberta. Okay, yeah, good one there. <laughs> It's better than Australian and South African that I had yesterday, but uh, I'm oh, from wow. Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, I, which I, is the best part of the United Kingdom for the listeners that don't understand. I guessed uh, Australia yeah, yesterday. Yeah, I was wrong. Oh, I was no. Wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. And I heard I heard the Seamus in him right away, the professional wrestler, fella. I heard it at him. Do you guys say, is that a word, fella? Yeah. That, is that it's, an, more, it's more English. It's more English, yeah. not Scottish? No. Okay, all right. I wondered how much of his... WWE persona was actually so there, there's actually do, do you know Seamus do you I know do, I, not personally but, but you know, know I'm talking about yeah, yeah. the redhead um, WWE yeah, yeah. Very, former very champion pale. yeah similar to very pale never seen the sun <laughs> in his life um, but there's there is actually a, a Scottish wrestler in, in the WWE that's you know he went over from Glasgow years ago and he's wrestled now for well over, I can't remember his name Finn Balor Another one. I can't remember his name. Oh, it's not Finn. It's, it's not Finn. One. Okay, no. Finn's been wrestling since he was like four. Okay. Yeah. 
anyway, we, we, we've Ken Shamrock. Oh wait, that's <laughs> Irish. Welcome to the professional wrestling portion of the Crude Life Do you Morning Show. Out? Play hard, work hard. Eric Calderon, are you related to Yvonne Calderon? We might as well just get all the craziness out there. I mean, you're not even from the same country, so okay. I think he was a Montreal Expo. Because yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, good stuff. People are like, "Who's Yvonne Calderon?" All right, he's a baseball player from the '80s, folks. All right, who are the Montreal Expos? What is a Montreal Expo? I I am dating myself way too much here, folks. Okay, Scotland over to the U.S. How did that happen? Uh, I moved over in 2014 with okay. a company called Expo. Um, they're an oil field services company. Um, my wife and I moved over just shortly after we were married. We got our green cards, and hopefully this year we'll become American citizens. Interesting green card now. That's an interesting word I'm finding out now. I can't wait to see the origin of where that comes from. Uh, anyway, so ESG over in Europe has been going on for a while. It has, yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the differences and the similarities that you see between American ESG, the way it's happening, and either the way... European ESG started or how it's been rolling, I guess. Yeah. Just talk about that a no, little. That's, that's a good question. It, and in all honesty, it, it's kind of ingrained in everybody and their operation and the way they conducted themselves in Europe. And it, it's been like that for a long time, especially when you get into the grassroots of a company. It's kind of continually uh, emphasized the, the ESG impact that you're going to have from an individual perspective and from a company perspective. I see more emphasis um, on ESG stateside um, with you know keeping up with my peers and my friends etc back home they're not having quite as much of an emphasis on ESG as the US are yeah I think companies have always strived towards environmental compliance and things like that but now ESG is a new term- yeah. terminology and the, th- the thing right, is as well so. I mean especially the oil and gas industry in Scotland which is our mm-hmm. our, our main industry, it's out of sight, out of mind, because everything's offshore. So there's very little drilling activity on land in the UK. So, yeah. And when you do drill on land in the UK, it's very, very well hidden. So they will actively write into contracts that you need to, you know, plant Camouflage trees. Yes. You need to paint the... Disneyland, yeah, the basic, Disneyland effect. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're not allowed to flare, you know, all those kind of things. So, and then you come West Texas or North Dakota and you can see a, a pump jack every couple of miles. That's very much in the, the public eye. You're describing what I've been predicting. Mm-hmm. America is going to go the way of NIMBY, not in my backyard. <laughs> you know, so very, very, you know, people will be able to continue on with operations because let's be honest. If 95 percent, 94 to 96, so 95 percent of our daily life involves fossil fuels, mm-hmm. from the toothbrush to the toothpaste to how it got in my bathroom, right? To go down to 80 percent which would be a 15% reduction in my lifetime, it ain't going to happen. Drastic innovation and changes will have to be made for that to happen. I'm just thinking of PVC pipe. I'm just thinking of, you know, vaccine needles, the whole deal, okay? So what I'm wondering is how much of this is going to be like in Los Angeles, where they build a building yep. around the pump jack, yeah. so that it's a school. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so Europe's been doing that for a long time, yeah. and that's exactly my prediction of what's going to happen in in um, in America. In Colorado, I believe is the blueprint mm-hmm. of how they're going to roll it out to the tune to where that governor Jared Polis wrote a book called The Colorado Blueprint. I haven't read it yet, but I assume <laughs> it's probably. Wait a minute. 
I know what it is. I haven't read it. I saw the title. I'm, I'm qualified to talk on it. I better hand the mic back over yeah. to Eric. <laughs> Eric's turn to get thrown under the bus now. <laughs> so, Please think of a really difficult question to ask Eric. All right, Eric. Hey, actually, Eric, um, in all honesty, uh, this whole climate movement, whether it's the climate activism or the climate tax or the just climate change, are you guys? Do you guys go anywhere with that? Do you avoid it? For example, the crude life. We came out with our first policy ever against climate tax. We believe it's a regressive tax that goes on uh, uh, poor and middle class, and eventually it'll make its way up to the rich and the upper middle class. But they're not going to feel it for a long time. So we came out with a statement right away on that. Um, the other thing that we have talked about is how the innovation side of things and the ESG. And so we've made a few statements on things. We've tiptoed around some things, too. Have you guys discussed, the, oh, the, the other one, climate change. I've been following this since 2004, 2001. I believe in earth changes, not climate change, okay? The climate changes every day. Earth changes are drastic. Go back to Pangea. When all the continents were together, we didn't frack back then, but now we're far apart. So that's a difficult conversation to have with anybody outside of oil and gas. So it's very difficult. It's very, I don't do it, right? Do, do you guys, what do you say when people start getting into that polarizing, um, nobody's going to win conversation? That's, I don't know how else to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things I've always emphasized is that you know, we live in this world together. Right. So when folks think about, you know, the oil and gas industry is hurting the environment. Well, it's our environment, right? The people who live and work in Midland drink the water of Midland. They breathe the air of Midland. And so all of us are in the same, you know, kind of interest wanting to make sure that we are doing our part for, for our, you know, future. That said, our company is going to play to its strength. Our company's strength is to be innovative and to come up with products that are solving problems that need to be solved. And in our case, that problem that we're solving is reducing power consumption. That is gonna save operators money, which is important, but it's also gonna save the amount of CO2 going into our environment, which is important. And so um, I think every company has to look at the, the lever they have to make a difference in this discussion. And for us, it's through innovative products um, that we can uh, build reliably and build at, at a high quality uh, spec to ensure they do exactly what they're designed for. Well, how can we get some business for you guys? Yeah, great. Let's, let's talk about how people can get in touch with you, how people can contact you, and how they can start the conversation. Well, thank you for prompting that. So um, Power Century is our company. Uh, we can go to our website, uh, Power Century. That's Where did the Power name Power Century come from? I'll elaborate. Uh, PowerCentury.com. So Century, in this case, spelled with an F, uh, designed uh, kind of after the insurance term to mean certainty, um, assurance, right? So think about Century as uh, being bolted onto the word power to mean power certainty, power assurance. That's what we mean. And um, that's what we do. We provide folks with uh, more stable power and better power management. Uh, we are located in Houston, Texas, and so we know that that's an important um, market, and we welcome the chance to uh, either connect by website or by LinkedIn, and um, just look for us online. Well, feel free to lean on the crude life if you ever need anything. We'll, we're here to serve and help the masses. So, you know, everyday energy for everyday people. Thank you for what you do to connect our industry. Mm. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, Pancho left me.
Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state and safety is, is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, of President Biden's administration that this is Obama-Biden 2.0 plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move. And I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company <laughs> pulling an electric car? So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at Whiting, our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> Time now to work hard. So here at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference, I am at the booth for Acurin, and I get to speak with Jessica and Dale, and I just got done having them explain to me all about this pipe that they've got sitting in front of me and the technology that they are showcasing here today, and I thought it was so interesting that I thought maybe we could share it uh, together. They could give you the information now. Um, thanks, I'm Dale, and uh, here at Accurate Inspection, uh, we do NDT, which is non-destructive testing. Um, we x-ray all welding and refineries, pipelines, 
Uh, we do wind farms, uh, petrochemical. Um, we let the customer know if their pipes are corroding from the inside, so if they need to be replaced. Um, we also shoot all the welds from the outside and inside just to make sure that uh, there's nothing bad in the welds that's going to make them fail down the road. Um, we can also do corrosion analysis under insulation to make sure if insulation is leaking, the pipe on the bottom is not corroding either. And uh, we do ultrasonic thickness testing that we can um, see how thick the pipe are, see if it's corroding bad enough on the inside. We can test from the outside to see if it's getting too thin. And I'll pass it off to Jessica. Oh, that was perfect. Okay, so be- before I shut the, the recording off, before before we end this beautiful conversation, I would like to make note that I found it pretty surprising and also very cool that the company has the versatility to be able not only to do uh, the read, take the readings from the outside of it, but also then to go in and get it from the internal. So that allows a, a pretty full reading, I would imagine. I mean, pretty accurate too. How often? I mean, is there? Are you guys ever wrong? Um, no, I mean our machines are, you know, calibrated, and um, no, our we are very, very good with our stuff, and. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's a good answer. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't yeah. expect yeah. you to give any yeah. other answer, yeah. but you know, but, yeah. but that's it seems like it'd be yeah. kind of a, a difficult, yeah. a difficult task, maybe. Yeah. No, um, we're very accurate with our stuff, so. Well, it's, it's very I'm sure good. that's super helpful. Thank you so yes. much. Yeah. Yes. You're speaking to the welcome. safety guy. That's why I like it. That's oh, so, so you're, so you're the guy who does who works at the safety, yeah, huh? Yeah, I do the quality safety yeah. and the radiation so safety the with man. the radiation that we shoot the x-rays with. Oh, so, yeah. okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, I guess I didn't consider that, but x-rays use radiation. Yes, we have to yeah. use radiation yeah. to shoot. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for giving yeah. me just a, a little bit of insight yeah. into this. You yep. Thank you. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sit in a microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. 
you know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those uh, those materials, and so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined, so that we can either one heat our homes or two uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generators, these generators, or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas, on a on life support, and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running. Right. JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas, at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. Time now to work hard. All right, here with Cameron Peterson of Dakota Supply Group, and he's he's explaining a little bit of what they've got set up here to look at at this year's Wilston Basin Petroleum Conference. Sure. Um, yeah, we got a mixture of a lot of things. We have uh, we're an electrical distributor, so we supply all electrical products to oil field customers. Um, have uh, Appleton explosion proof fixtures. Um, explosion proof. Yeah, explosion proof. So uh, rated for gas areas, um, any classified area, so anywhere there's a chance for explosive materials. So, wow. Um, uh, then we have some Turk products, just some, some neat connectors that are also explosion proof. Um, some oil filled cable from Nexans, um, very flexible cable to provide power to a lot of the well sites. And that, that stuff's thick. What, you've got all kinds of different sizes, though. I mean, what what would that thicker stuff be used for versus um, the tiny stuff? This like, would my be goodness. this would be power coming in from the main utility. Great. Um, so it would provide power to all the pumps that are um, going up and down. So it's, this is providing that, and then the smaller stuff's a lot of our control cable. So it uh, kind of goes between the PLCs and uh, just signaling um, what things should be doing. So. So that's pretty heavy duty. This this company has been around for quite some time, yes. Yes, over a hundred years. Yeah. So you guys, you've probably been to the conference here before. Right? Actually, this is my first time. So is it? Yeah. Yeah. How are you enjoying yourself? Good. It's been great. Yeah. 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 Have really you gotten great. to catch any of the speakers? Yeah, I did. I got to uh, catch Harold Hams yesterday, and then also uh, Senator Ber- uh, Governor Burgum. So. Oh, nice. What yeah. do you think about his uh, his comment about getting North Dakota carbon neutral? Uh, it's interesting, and it's probably um, you know we got to get with the times to keep our industry sustainable. So um, it's it's interesting. It'll we'll see where it goes. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it.
Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life with host Jason Speaks. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy Environmental Research Center, commonly known as the acronym EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota, with Crude Life content correspondent Jenica Hauser. Would that be changed if the Biden administration were to implement this climate tax? Do you think that that would have any effect on the programs here in North Dakota and how uh, we proceed forward with the carbon sequestration and uses? Well, I'm not exactly sure what carbon tax has been discussed in the Biden, by the Biden administration. And it, typically, a carbon tax is uh, just costs everybody more money at the end of the day. And a lot of times, those taxes that are that are put in place aren't necessarily utilized by the governments putting the taxes in place to then reduce carbon further, which is an unfortunate thing. Right now, there are carbon credits that are available, which is more of the the carrot approach. By using a carbon credit, you create a, an economic incentive for a company to go and make those big investments to reduce carbon. And that's the path we're on at the moment. Again, there may be a carbon tax in the future. I worry about what that will be to the end user, the people of North Dakota and the United States, as far as how much more they might pay for energy. And that's the, that's the unintended effect of a carbon tax generally all those costs are passed on to the consumer. I think the way to get around uh, for North Dakota to succeed in a, in a climate with a carbon tax is to use those technologies to not emit the carbon dioxide. If we're already on those on that path, that is the way to continue to produce that reliable power. If we don't have a solution for capturing the carbon from our coal-fired power plants, like, like we've got with Tundra, um, and a carbon tax is implemented, the thing that'll happen immediately is our coal-fired power plants will be shut in, shut down. And that was Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy and Environmental Research Center, EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota, along with the Crude Life content correspondent, Jenica Hauser. For more industry news, exclusive interviews, and energy innovations, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. We're going to do a good old-fashioned Bakken barbecue. Halliburton has been cooking for two days. Uh, they've cooked 2,500 pounds of pork, 800 pounds of sausage, uh, 500 pounds of chicken. So uh, Everyone's favorite are the fish tacos, but they've got burgers, steaks, salads, I mean, pretty much everything. Hear it on the radio and don't turn it up. Here and the first experience was, oh, where are all the rigs? Because you have so much country here. If it ain't about whiskey, sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. In a car, they're in a tent, they're in some other building that's not meant for human habitation. We've actually found people living in haystacks, in uh, grain bins. We found one guy that, that basically gets shelter in a culvert each night. This was one of those stories where one reporter can't cover. There's too much happening at one time in too many places. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day. It's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way. If you're not making money in the Bakken, you just truly are not thinking hard enough. Brother, it ain't country, no. Looking for a helping hand? Look at the end of your doggone arm. North Dakotans aren't looking over their shoulder for the government to help them. Some fur coat wearing wannabes producing your stuff. And brother, you ain't country, no. If you can't move to it, crew to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. As long as I'm working, my mom and dad are happy. Okay. <laughs> and a shower. Well, that was always the key, especially going to Thunder Bay. Brother, it ain't country, no. Yeah, and he doesn't like life, I guess. starts <laughs> rocking. Insanity, right? North Dakota, the Bakken plague. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. 
Trust, First International Mineral and Land Services, and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.